<laughs> now we are recording on, on Zencaster. Yeah. We almost got, I'm glad I caught that before because I. <laughs> yeah, that would have been bad. <laughs> that would have been bad if we recorded the whole thing and then had to do it again. <laughs> so good save, but let's take it from the top this time and get it right. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Movies We Dig, the podcast about movies, ancient history, archaeology, and everything in between. I'm Elijah Fleming. And I'm Colin McCormick. This is the, our podcast is about exactly that. We're, we're sort of two professional nerds, study ancient Greece and Rome, and we, we like to sort of get into movies and talk about what we think about them, both as sort of movie viewers, but also as professional academics or professional nerds, as we like to call ourselves. <laughs> so... Today's podcast is about Hercules, the 2014 action-adventure film directed by Brett Ratner and starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who we've talked about on this podcast a little bit. I think our very first episode, his name came up. So it's fitting now as we're starting our sort of next chunk, our sort of first chunk I've been affectionately titling aughts action and adventure or something that action adventure in the aughts something like that this is kind of the tail end of that segment we're sort of ending with the i think the last one you could really say in the the sort of i don't think there's really been another sort of sword and sandal movie since this one uh not not that was marketed like this one i guess yeah and not that i think i saw in theaters although granted i haven't seen uh i guess maybe like no, it's not really. It's not a sword and sandal movie. Those Wonder Woman is like kind of. She has a sword and wears sandals. <laughs> it has Greek elements, but right. it's not really a sword and sandal film sure. in the way that like this is. So this is, I think, really the last one. And then after this, this is also kind of a good pivot because the the next this segment that this podcast is kicking off, I've been calling Hercules is for the children. Which, I mean, this is PG-13. Mm-hmm. It's maybe geared toward a younger audience. We'll talk about it. It does the one... There's one rule about PG-13 movies that this movie does indulge in. Is that the F-bomb? Yes. Okay. <laughs> We're going to be talking about, after this, the, the Disney Hercules, the predecessor, and then I think the other animated films like Atlantis, and then other films, not animated, but directed towards children, namely Percy Jackson. And that's kind of the next chunk that we have blocked out for ourselves. So let's just get right into it and and come back around to the initial question. Eli, do you dig this movie? No. (laughs) I, so I, can I like half dig this movie? Because I feel like it, it does a better job. um, And it sort of answers some of the criticisms that we have had for some of our other movies, especially Clash of the Titans. Uh, is what I'm thinking. So, I mean, this movie was silly and it was kind of entertaining, but I guess it's like, it's not my bag. It's it's not for me. Yeah, no. I agree. Yeah. There's there's things I, 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 I think I'm more generous this movie than I have any right, to, than it has any right to sort of earn. Like, <laughs> like you said, I prefer it over Clash of the Titans and Immortals, which Very much. I think fall, we, we, we've talked about fall into some of the big problem traps yeah. for doing greek myth movies mm-hmm. a lot of them having to do with with the gods which this one skirts in a good way i think my general impression of this movie is that it's just kind of too it's not as fun to watch because it's just kind of too ham-handed i think it kind of underestimates how intelligence this audience is it really there's no subtlety it really just kind of lays everything out in very un 
complicated, not even just uncomplicated, but just it, it sort of like spoon feeds the audience yeah. all of the information. And then every most of it kind of just is stuff I've either seen before or is very sort of predictable or very true. It feels very uncreative. It really, my, other, my, my sort of other kick is that, or my kick, but like my, my, my impression is that, is that all the creativity for this movie just went into being like, okay, the rock's going to be Hercules. <laughs> Full stop. End of, that's, end of thing. That's all we need. Cause yeah. Cause at this point the rock is, he's entering his stardom. He's really, I think his, his star is really starting. He's, he's now making like a, a movie every year. He's in the right. Fast and the Furious franchise. He's yeah. like, a, he has become a full fledged movie star. And this is a sort of, natural role for him and just like the rock being in a pg-13 action adventure movie that's all the energy you need and this movie did fairly well for itself it made back 244 million on a hundred million dollar budget so it's it was a sound investment yeah yeah it it paid out but like it has very little this is a movie like there are some movies that come out they make a lot of money they do well and the world forgets about them yes this is one of those movies. <laughs> yes, I suspect that people listening to this podcast might have forgotten about this movie, even though it only came out six years ago. And yeah, they well, might have seen it. Came out in the same year as another Hercules movie that also was completely forgotten by that the movie. Point. Doesn't exist. It's, it's not no, a real movie. It's not a real movie. So I feel like it might have sort of gotten wrapped up in. Wait, there's two Hercules movies coming out this mm-hmm. year. But also, yeah, there's nothing particularly memorable about this. Like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we've we talked about this, I think, a little bit, but like that weird tendency for Hollywood. We've talked a lot about how actors tend to crop up in the same movie. The mm-hmm. same actors tend to crop up in the same movies. For sure. But we also might have talked about how like Hollywood likes like the 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 same movies tend to come out simultaneously like Bugs Life and Ants or yep. The Prestige and the Illusionist were yep. like a very a movie with a very specific premise and then I guess the other studio knows that the other studio is doing it and then they're like okay we got to get this project out now because yeah. Strike While the Iron's Hot or Get It In Before whatever it is. So yeah, generally I'm sort of cool to this movie, but I also think it's it's kind of interesting to talk about particularly in relationship to the last two movies we discussed. For sure. Yes. B- because of what it doesn't do. So one of my for my initial reaction, I remember when the lead up to this movie, because I remember getting kind of excited when this movie was announced and I saw the trailers because like, oh, like a Hercules movie and The Rock. And I saw the trailers and he's fighting all the monsters. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this seems like a, a very sort of true to f- true Hercules movie. And then and when I watched the movie, I felt like I had been misled. <laughs> yes, I think that was a lot of people's criticism is that it sort of build itself as a different story Mm -hmm. and it shoved in a lot of this backstory dump within the first five minutes of like cool, fun monster fights that were over in seconds. Yeah. I think you actually, the, the, all of the, the monster fighting, like him fighting the Nemean lion and the Aramanthian boar and the Hydra, all of that stuff is out of the way within the first three minutes of the film and pretty much if you saw the trailer you've seen all the monster footage there is (laughs) and then the rest of the movie is this pretty down-to-earth just sort of normal storyline yeah i don't know how how, what you like what you would quite call it it's based i found it's based on a graphic novel called hercules the thracian wars that came out in 2009 by steve moore but it has a very simple plot the basic premise is hercules is a mercenary he's got a bunch of mercenary friends 
and they're hired by the king of Thrace to go take care of some bandits or rebels or something. Uh, he trains an army. They defeat the bandit threat, but then Hercules realizes it was all a trick, and the king of Thrace, played by a poor John Hurt, was actually the real tyrant all along. That's that's the movie. Yeah, which I mean, as far as plots go, it's simplistic, but it's like I I thought it was kind of fun. It's kind of mm-hmm. a different for this type of movie or this type of story. We don't see the whole like I don't know. It's like Hercules is almost like a con man and he has these like, yeah. you know, band of, uh, uh, I don't the know. The note I wrote for myself was <laughs> the other idea that went to this movie is, is what if Hercules was, was in the Scooby-Doo gang? Because that's really what yeah. they do. Yeah, they go around fighting monsters. <laughs> they, but not just monsters, it's 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 monster-themed criminals. Yes, because exactly. Yeah. And I feel like that's a different take on, on an ancient myth. Like that's uh-huh. that's kind of fun, and I I guess it was simple, but I didn't mind that. Yeah, it's because it's sort of set. It, the movie has set itself as like Hercules is already sort of pseudo legendary character. He's already done the twelve labors. Mm-hmm. They mention the twelve labors a lot, and they list a couple, and then Elias, the character, is constantly referring to them. <laughs> yeah, but and then we're just sort of in this original other story that's completely of the of the creator sort of. It's just sort of spun out of whole cloth, which on one sense, I, this is the kind of thing I think we've talked about that I like to see that it sort of take, it shows a familiarity with the source material, but it's not obedient or bound to it in some way. But I think it just kind of the, 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 the execution is just sort of so ham handed and (laughs) uncreative and kind of generic because yeah, it's it that it just kind of it's just kind of a generic movie that doesn't really leave a lasting impression on you. Yeah, one way or the other. Yeah, well, it had to make money somehow, I guess. <laughs> it did make. I mean, put the rock in it. That's all yeah, you got to exactly. do. <laughs> the sort of theme. I'm gonna sort of maybe give this movie more. We're gonna do. We're gonna do the intellectual exercise and okay. like all right. really sort of dive in and <laughs> see if we can actually milk a theme out of this movie. Because and the one I sort of settled on was the sort of truth versus myth revisionist history. Okay. Which I titled, this is, I guess, when I'm teaching a mythology course, this is one of the first, the one of the, you, you teach sort of different ways to interpret myths and there's all sorts of different theoretical frames. And one of the earliest ones is called euhemerism. And it's actually named after a Greek guy named euhemerus. But the premise of euhemerism is just all myth is, is really misremembered history. And that's kind of the line that this movie toes. Yeah. I can see that. And then they, they and then there's that whole speech at the end by Ian McShane where he's like, you've heard again, if I had a nickel for every time a movie <laughs> says you know the legend, but like yeah. here's the truth behind the legend. Right. <laughs> and and when you, in retrospect, when you see the like made up flashbacks of him fighting the monsters, my reaction is kind of like, actually I'd rather get the legend. <laughs> I mean, I I guess but that was Clash of the Titans, right? That was them yeah. fighting the big kraken monster, mm, whatever, yeah. um, or the scorpions. So it's like, yeah, we we can have, I guess, the big actual monster fights. I kind of appreciated the sort of, yeah, I fought a bunch of monsters, but I had like my my backup crew also mm-hmm. helping me out. It's kind of fun. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, gang. Yeah. I, I, I wish they had at least one scene where they had 
like like because I remember like the Hydra ended up just being guys wearing like alligator skins right. or something <laughs> that they just like they took off the mask and it was like it was old man Jenkins yeah, all exactly. along. <laughs> he was pretending to be the Hydra to scare people away from this mill where he was I don't know smuggling something. Yeah. <laughs> something yeah. No, it's Scooby Doo for sure. So that, yeah, so it's it's the, the theme that this movie, I guess, it's not a super profound theme. And it's one we've seen many times of just, sure. you know, truth yeah. behind the legend. And I get, maybe I'm an unpleasable audience because I in this sense, I kind of want the legend because, <laughs> you know, I don't know. But there is, again, like the 12 labors is hard maybe to put into film. And that's actually, let's, let's talk about, let's just talk about like hercules himself as a character yeah well i think it could very easily have fallen into the same sort of traps as theseus and perseus who are just very one-dimensional cipher characters who are just protagonists and Mm -hmm. i think there's certainly some of that in Dwayne the rock johnson but he has like a little bit more i guess personality but it's it's like it's Dwayne the Rock Johnson being Hercules, I guess. But but I also like that he's not like just starting out on his hero's mission. He's sort of jaded and kind of grumpy yeah. and that's new. Well, or just like, you know, a different take on a Hercules, which I think is fun. In his in an interview I, I was watching with with him, he talked about he actually tried he always sort of wanted to be Hercules, which I think for for very obvious reasons yeah, he seems no, like the sort of perfect <laughs> cat p- person to play a character like Hercules. But then he said something that I, I agreed with, which was he could have really only, he says like, I could have only played Hercules at the age I am now because of having like lived the life that I've lived. And which is, I mean, because in Hercules and this is sort of, it's, it's late in the Hercules sort of, not his lifespan, I guess, but his arc, because he's already yeah. done the main things that he's famous for. Yeah. And he's sort of, he's, he's sort of burdened down by his, kind of traumas and his experiences, particularly the killing of his wife and children. And you need a sort of a little bit of an older actor, but for that to carry through. But I think there is a big difference in both the sort of, there's like two things happening here with the, of the myth Hercules, and then you have the casting choice. Cause I think right. with, with Perseus and Theseus, Sam Worthington was both Sam Worthington and um, Henry Cavill were kind of unknown. They weren't really well-established stars. They were kind of, I think being groomed as potential action stars mm-hmm. and then they're kind of just put into these these sort of un yet as of yet unestablished actors in these sort of generic ciphery characters and then you just get like a sort of a, a whole lot of generic yeah bland man yep it reminds me i don't know if you've been following i was just reminded of a of a, a bit of news that's been tickling me and, and keeping me happy there's a there's a new there's a D and D video game coming out called Baldur's Gate three, oh. but they released an early access a few weeks back, and then the the studio kind of was were using it to like collect data um, and like find bugs and things like that, and they were collecting data about the characters that players were creating, and mm-hmm. they sent out a release chewing out basically players for because they, they 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 kind of found the like mean aggregate character that everyone was playing it was just this like generic white guy and then the studio was like come on like you could be anything you could be like a devil person or an orc or like any we have like all these different like shades and shapes of characters you could be and you go with like white dude you you go with generic white dude you go with sam worthington basically (laughs) but so i think both hercules the myth character 
is different, I think, a little bit, maybe less so from Theseus, because Theseus has, there's plays and stuff where he shows up and he has sure. sort of a personality, but definitely more so than Perseus, where Hercules has a lot of depictions about it, and there's a big range of depictions. Like, you have Hercules in Greek tragedy, where it's, it's there's all there's multiple plays about him and kind of the, the there's like the mat about his madness or the crimes that he's committed mm-hmm. by killing his family, his sort of personal suffering. Hercules is a hero who suffers yes. intensely, <laughs> which is a big thing. The Greek heroes, one of the things they kind of have to do or right. is required of them is, is they must suffer. And so sometimes by their own hands, sometimes by fate, what have you. Oedipus can tell you more. And <laughs> but he's there's there's there's, so there's this dark sort of tragic side to Hercules, the myth. There's also this kind of superhero-y element where he gets to go and fight all these things and do all the stuff. and and But then there's also a comedy element to Hercules, too, okay. if you look at Hercules in ancient sources, where he was kind of – he shows up in comedic plays or, or works with comedic elements as this, like – he's this big, burly, hairy guy. He likes to drink too much and eat yeah. too much and, you know, he might show up at your party and pass out or he has – He's like he a has, frat bro. He, yeah, yeah, and he has like wild appetites. There's yeah. stories about him, like don't you know? Don't let him in your house. He'll never leave your kitchen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He he'll like just a man of like intense sort of like libido and hungers and 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 in all senses of the word. But like he's just like, he's extra in every way possible. In every way, yeah, and that extends in every direction. So you really have to zero in on one of these things. But you you have a pretty wide target zone that sure. you could put your Hercules in in a way that he's almost like a, he's like a character like, like Batman or something like that, where you've got your goofy Batmans and your serious brooding Batmans and your, yeah, you know, you've got your George Clooney's and your Christian Bale's and your Lego Batmans and they're all <laughs> Batman, but they're all right, 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 right. very different from one another. And Hercules is like one of those characters. Other side of this equation, as I'm strewing it out is <laughs> unlike sort of you, you won in contrast to Perseus and Theseus, where you have a, a heroic character with a lot more sort of personality built in, you're also coming to the table with a, a movie star. Yeah. Not just an act. Like, the difference between an actor and a movie star, not that there's no overlap, but, like, The Rock is a movie star. He is. Yeah. When you go to see a Rock movie, he you're going to see, you see The Rock. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And this is, I think, he's breaking out as a movie star in this way. For sure. So... I think already the movie has sort of more going for it than the other movies we were just comparing. I went on a long rant for a while there. But. <laughs> it was good, though. I think, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's nice to sort of tell an, a Greek hero story from that different perspective using a, the different tools that we have in filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Of Like, you can pick your actor to be older and you can have this sort of mm-hmm. wisdom that comes with that to sort of bring mm-hmm. into a different style of character. Yeah. And on top of that, also Hercules just, you know, independent of sort of his myth and history tradition in Greece and Rome, there's also a Hollywood tradition of Hercules. And oh, The yeah. Rock himself has talked very partic- very specifically about Steve Reeves, mm-hmm. who played, he was a bodybuilder who played Hercules in the 50s. Right. There's a chain scene, like there's a great iconic shot with Steve Reeves who's chained up that is definitely alluded or is they have an homage to in this film. For sure. I also thought of Schwarzenegger, who played Hercules in New York in yep. 1970. Yep. <laughs> and again, well, those are just the logic of the the logical choice of who are we going to cast as Hercules? The buffest dude alive. Yeah, the really, really strong buff dude, for sure. Mm-hmm. 
which again makes perfect sense again for for Hercules' character because Hercules is he's one of the other things about Hercules is he he's this like athlete par excellence when you talk about like Greek art or something like that Hercules has this he's almost this he's like a body in the way that I almost like a guy like Schwarzenegger is this stand gold standard of bodybuilding and and male physique or something like that that Mm -hmm. was Hercules for sure for for the ancients he's like the athlete if you go to our home institution today, right in front of the football stadium and at University of Texas at Austin, in front of the football stadium, there's a banner with a picture of the Farnese Hercules, which is that like yeah. in- incredibly muscled. I really like that statue because he's got right. muscles that don't exist. Right. He's got like wild. <laughs> too many muscles. It's like the- yeah, it's like the, the the artist was like every every blank space of skin. He's like add a six pack, put a six pack there, put a six pack there. But honestly, The Rock in this movie is kind of approaching that. It's true. It's like, why do you look like that? He's becoming the most... And I think really in the it becomes extreme in the Fast and the Furious movies. Yes. Where he just like, he looks like he's about to explode out of his own skin. It's just sort of unreal. But that's, that's sort of in line with the sort of unreal semi-divineness of Hercules. It sort of mm-hmm. works where it's like, how yeah. in the world do you exist like this? Yeah. So yeah, like that, that, that translates, it's like, I, I like, I almost, I lament this movie because it pop, it could have been better, I think, just with like a better script and, and better, better direction. Also, Brett Ratner is, is, I would just say human, human trash, but. (laughs) Oh, didn't he direct Rush Hour, all of three Rush Hours? Yeah, he directed the Rush Hour, he directed the third X-Men movie. He also is a, like, sexual harasser criminal, and he got cut tight. He was one of the ones that got Me too This was the last film that he directed. He got, um, so he's, 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 he's bad in a lot. He's, I think, a bad director and also a bad person. His big thing was he had a production company called the Rat Pack that produced a lot of a lot of successful movies that were uh, they won like he something like fifty Oscar nominations came out of Rat Pack movies. Oh Jesus! But he's 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 like also kind of everything that's wrong in Hollywood. Yeah. Okay. Human trash. Cool. Anyways, but the so the the Rock is to bring it back to the Hercules and the Rock, which I think is this very like serendipitous synergy of like the perfect mix because yeah um you know hercules like the rock has so much sort of natural charisma mm-hmm. and movie star-ness but also like a like a bit of humor he gets a few one-liners oh, yeah for sure in on this movie and like hercules himself like we just were saying is a is a somewhat it has there's a vein of comic character he's not all yeah. gloom you know like a Jokes from a character like Oedipus would would, would be a little weird. <laughs> yeah, that would land kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, but Hercules is ripe for for jokes. Yes. So there's a lot of good sort of fodder we're working with here, just like with our source material and our, and just in general, I like the look of Hercules in this movie. Yeah, that's that's fine. I I was like not deeply offended by any of it. <laughs> it was a pretty. I mean, it may be basic, but but pretty true to form. He's got the lion skin and yeah. the big club, which is what Hercules is. Yeah. He, like, doesn't wear a shirt for the last 30 minutes of the movie. Well, you put the rock in your... I, I, know. I, I wonder, like, you know, like... Do they just make him not wear clothes all the time? <laughs> I almost wonder if it's the reverse. Because, so, famously, Chris Evans in the Marvel movies had a contract, or a clause in his contract that said he that he didn't want to go shirtless. And other actors have done similar things about how much sort of skin they, they do or do want don't want to show. 
But I almost wonder with The Rock if it's if it's the reverse. If it's like if The Rock's in your movie, like he has to have at least you know twenty minutes yeah. of shirtlessness or something like that. <laughs> he wouldn't surprise mentioned me. that he trained for eight months for this role to bulk up in the way and and again one of those insane like workout routines and diets. Jesus. Uh, I kind of thought he always looked like that, though. <laughs> he, I mean, it, it, who, who can say? Like, you go back and you watch earlier movies with him, like The Scorpion King, and he's... Yeah, he does look... He's buff, but, yeah. like, normal buff. Right. But I feel like still nowadays, I'm like, how do you look like that? I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> I think the, the answer is is you you eat, like, your weight and protein, and you work out for, like, five hours a day. Ugh, it sounds exhausting. Like trainers and dietitians and the whole the whole deal. He has those bits where he does his epic cheat days and he oh, eats yeah. like forty pancakes or something like that. Which again, a very Hercules esque thing. A very Hercules thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I the casting was great. So the theme wise, we kind of talked we, we mentioned this like myth history thing, which honestly I'm not even sure is like a theme we can extract, but it's just more of a conceit for your sure. movie and it's also kind of lazy but there was another bit that it was almost a throwaway line in the very beginning that i kind of wanted to talk a little bit about and that was when he's talking with with rufus sewell and they're talking about they're kind of they're setting up the character's wants which again i think on the baseline this movie has all the necessary component parts for a movie like we know what hercules wants we know what he's about and so it works it's just unoriginal but he he said he's talking about he wants to basically retire to like the Black Sea or the countryside or something yep. and just sort of live out his days in peace or whatever. And he says something to the effect where he talks about bringing Tidius with him, where he says civilization is too civilized for us. Right. Which is the theme I think that the movie drops, mm-hmm. but was that's the core, like that's what your movie sort of should have been about because one of the things about Hercules, or maybe we should even say, Heracles, because that's his you yeah. know, Greek, but whatever. Well, the, I like calling I call him Hercules even when I'm teaching Greek myth, and I just preface it up front that his okay. name's Heracles, but yeah. I say Hercules because it's just more common in English. Yeah, or do I? I'm not even sure actually what I do. I probably flip between <laughs> them independently. But Her- Hercules or Heracles is this civilizing force in, in Greek mythology where he goes around and he kind of imposes man and civilization onto nature. He gets rid of dangerous beasts. He sort of redirects natural elements like rivers. And there's all sorts of stuff in Greek myth where he's like making the world sort of safe and tillable for people. But then the flip side to that is he is creating a world that he himself can't really live in. Right. I'm making these great arm gestures that nobody can see, but I'm kind of doing the like back and forth. Thank you. But yeah, like, and that's a theme that I almost wish the movie had played out a little bit more. Like his inability to like fit into this world. Like he's imposing, he's bringing order to the world, but he is a creature of, he himself is like not fully human. He's got a sort of animalistic side to him. Right, right. And yeah, all of the like the extra and the excess like can't fit into everybody's sort of normal everyday life. Yeah. You can't have a dude in your town who on a whim will like drink 50 barrels of wine. Yeah, no, doesn't work. Like that doesn't that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, or like, he, he just, yeah, don't let, like you said, don't let him in your house. No. Um, <laughs> he'll eat all your food and he'll mm-hmm. never leave. Yeah. It's, I do like that as a theme. I think that would have been really cool. And maybe that's more on like the actual comic book storyline where we're not 
like gonna you know go i had never heard book i had never heard of it before either and i think it's one of a series i almost wonder my my theory not confirmed but that Brett Ratner basically just like he got the rock cast. He was like, all right, we're going to make a movie. He found this graphic novel or somebody found this graphic novel and was like, this is a plot. Let's just do this. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because the um, author is Stephen Moore didn't want his name attached to the movie. He was like, I don't like this. Don't put my name on it. Because um, he didn't like the movie or yeah, just thought it was going to be bad. I guess. I think he died like three weeks before this movie came out. Oh, wild. So he said he didn't want his name attached to it. He had like, didn't want anything to do with it. And then he died. Whoa. I know. That's even that. I mean, for the. (laughs) I wouldn't. I mean, truly, I'm not sure I would want my name attached to it. It's not the most. No. That's not great. It feels, and we can go through, because I've got my other sort of main talking points as we sort of, this movie is not very thematically rich in a way that we can necessarily talk about other than just we sort of, The Rock is the only person that I could sort of believe, who I think could believably flip a horse over. I did like that bit. That was actually really fun. (laughs) Oh, I did kind of like that they were like, it's a centaur. It's like, no, it's just dudes riding a horse. And then he like, (laughs) and then that's when he gets his one F-bomb, because in a PG-13 movie, you are allowed one (laughs) swear one f-based swear word and he uses it to say <laughs> centaurs. <laughs> centaurs which uh comedic you know wonderful i enjoyed mm-hmm. that yeah that was great <laughs> good use of that f-bomb yeah i think it was a good use of just like you know if somebody I, like whoever was like you know what he should do he should just flip over a horse with one hand <laughs> it was good it was good it was pretty uh, i was like that was pretty cool the, the, that one action scene with the with all the, the the guys who are like zombies but not really zombies the ones that are all painted oh, yeah, green yeah, yeah. and like I, that, I think that action scene largely worked for sure. me the, the fight's not the fighting's not bad the action scene's not bad it's kind of cool to see her like you know the rock like rip a bunch of chains out of the ground for sure yeah, that yeah. magically disappear off his wrists in the next scene <laughs> it was entertaining for sure yeah so before if you before I get to sort of my next thing, do you have is there something you wanted to to talk about or bring up? Just the fact that and this sort of follows along with this sort of history versus myth. The movie says it's in three fifty eight BC. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? Yeah, <laughs> um, that is. I did look. The comic book says it's set in twelve hundred BC. So I'm like, why okay. in the world did the movie decide to move it to the? fourth century what this is that thing it's sort of related to, i think that other movies do where they want to be one thing but they don't do it well and like this is like the move this whole movie's thing it's like this is the truth behind the legend but then they put zero effort into that truth because yeah. i i had that initial reaction myself i was like i was like 358 <laughs> what who, who are the what are these jokers telling me because <laughs> For everyone, for our listeners out there, in 358 BC puts us well within recorded history. Absolutely. Philip of Macedon is, you know, kicking around. It would make this, it would make it so this movie took place after the events of 300. Yup. <laughs> yeah, they're in Macedon in the beginning, which like, yeah. we know what was going on in Macedon at the time. We also, we know what's going on. At, this is one of the Everywhere. periods of ancient history where we actually have a pretty good idea what's going Absolutely. on. Absolutely, yeah. Like, to, like, to the year, we can we know, like, who's where and what. There's a lot of politics happening. And there's plays we have about Hercules that are, like, 100 years older than this. Yep. <laughs> um, 
the odyssey has been around or the iliad and the odyssey have probably been around in some form or another for uh, probably 300 years at least and the characters in this are supposed to be like the grandparents of characters in the iliad and the odyssey it's such a weird (laughs) choice that somebody i don't know who made this choice because i guess like and again it was one of the like we well we were talking about this with with immortals where it's like the greece 12 whatever it was 1228 or whatever date they picked like an, yeah like an oddly specific date yeah. for a, a movie that's in other ways in no way has any relationship to reality like it is deliberately unrealistic and very stylized <laughs> but yet sort of insists that this is happening in 1228 this again this movie is sort of flip side saying that it's like this is a real you know it's trying to historicize or like yeah. give like a revisionist history a euhemeristic approach of the hercules myth and then it decides to set it in 358 BC. All you needed to do was slap a one in front of. I that's yep. my other, that's what I think would happen if you if it was 1358, then it would track so much better. Yep, so that would be much better. more yep. or less in the the time zone. If Hercules was a real person, he yes. would have lived a generation or so before the events of the Iliad, which was in 1250 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So and so yeah. it does. Yeah, just trying to like put that at any time period does make the sort of randomness of the other like the props and the weapons and the armor and the fact that we have this like palace in Mm -hmm. thrace but they're a lot of them have like mycenaean stuff that i assume was maybe like old troy props. i had that i had that exact thought like the armor that all the thracians are wearing looked exactly like the props that the that they had in Troy. I was like, I bet they just like had, like it was sitting in a storage locker somewhere in Hollywood. And they're like, just get the old Troy stuff out. For sure. So yeah, if you put a one in front of that 358 (laughs) would have made a lot more sense. It's like the, the, the analogy is like, if you were watching a movie set it, you know, where it's like a Victorian period piece and then it opened and it said like 1985. Right. Exactly. Like what? No. That's not what that is. Like people are walking around in like corsets and like top hats and, and like riding horses. And then it's like the early 60s. No, <laughs> we know more about history than this. Yeah. Again, it's. I think this is just kind of a testament to kind of the kind of laziness yeah. that went into this movie mm-hmm. of just like pick a year. It doesn't matter. Have a pl- like. You didn't really need to have a year. No, no. It, again, it's a weird it's a general like trope or like thing that Hollywood movies like feel like they need to have. Yeah. I mean, you could just say like ancient Greece or Macedon or something like that. I don't know. It's like, it's like a thing. I think it's like a thing that movies do to give themselves a sort of superficial layer of authority Mm -hmm. or something like that. Like, Oh, like we know what we're talking about. It's 1228 or it's 358 BC. When it's like, you just pulled that out of your ass. Yeah, it's like, it's not working. It's not working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they also have snake dancers. In like, there's always, yeah. There's always. It's not an ancient set unless there's, there's like, a, essentially ancient belly dancing snake women. Yep. There's always a feast. Always a feast. There's other points of, I think, just this movie being sort of unoriginal, which actually kind of leads me to my next. The thing that I was just going to bring up next as we go through the Hercules movie is just the, the other characters because yeah. we've talked a lot about Hercules already. Mm-hmm. We were talking about points of unoriginality. And one of the ones that jumped out to me immediately was Rebecca Ferguson as Urginia, mm-hmm. which when I saw that character and we learned about that character, I immediately went, this is just 
Lucilla from Gladiator, but like dumber. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Has a son. That's like her main character is worried about child and is like, yeah, that's her big motivating force. Her character, such as it is, I think, as the movie tells us, is doctor or like is likes healing, likes helping people yep. or healing people yep. and cares about her son. Yep. <laughs> Which I think if we were to impose a sort of feminist reading of this text, particularly in light of think revelations that have come out about the director. Yes. Not a great no. take for one of your two female characters in the movie. Yeah, no. I mean, technically three, if you want to include Megara, who's there for like a minute, oh, and right. then it's just murdered on the floor in flashback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great. Great. And there, there is there a scene, I, th- I saw it in the trailers, I don't know if it actually made it to the movie, there's scenes of her in a bathtub, I want to say, where she's like... Oh, I don't remember that. Maybe. I think, I saw, I only saw, I only know this because I was watching other clips and they had, there was like shots of her like basically undressing. Oh, in a way, like, and I think they just used it for the trailer to, like, give it a little bit of, like... Edge. Exactly. Mm, and never made it to the movie. Again, yeah, Megara is... I forgot I forgot about Megara, which I think also this movie sort of did, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's no good. But the other... Uh, I had a list of the characters that we could, we could sort of talk about. Because this is also a kind of... Not quite an ensemble cast, but in contrast, I think, to... Clash of the Titans and Immortals, which also presented us a sort of band of heroes mm-hmm. going on an adventure. These ones were significantly more fleshed out. Yes, for sure. So the first one I have on my list is Atalanta, played by Ingrid Bolso Bertel. Looks like Nicole Kidman. She looks like three other actors. Because <laughs> she also kind of reminds me of Kristen Stewart a little bit. Oh, I can see that. And Or the... The Swedish princess from Kingsman. Oh, okay. Yep. That's not actually her, is it? Let me check really it quick. It might be. I just know her from Westworld. She's the tattoo face girl. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't recognize. Yeah, she's in. So known for Hercules, Cold Prey, Chernobyl Diaries. She was in the Hansel and Gretel movie with Gemma Adderton and. Um, oh, I never saw that. Jeremy Renner. She's in Westworld, Bear. She is not in Kingsman, I believe. Okay. It's not. Let me just look up really quick. Got to make sure. Which actually, no, that, that movie came out this same year. It came out in 2014. Oh, really? Yeah. It's another movie I watched on a plane. <laughs> no, that's played by Hannah Alstrom. So we're good. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, it's not her. Okay. Yeah, it's sort of very physically reminiscent of Nicole Kidman. Yes. Nah, they, they give every character at one point gets like their little backstory of like how they joined Hercules's troop. And hers was that she's she was a Scythian, yeah, that was caught up in some kind of there was some kind of plot or like a like royals sort of murder assassination yeah. thing going on. I think that was it. So <laughs> I think they kind of implied that she was like a like a princess of like a fallen nation or something, yeah. I feel like she had very little personality beyond just. Very few. They're all pretty one note. Her personality is what she's as good at good at fighting as any man. Yes, that that was it. Yep. Which again, I think in the, in this day, even in 2014, like we can do a little. This feels very early <laughs> 2000s. Yeah, and the sort of like video game female armor, just like really. Oh my god! Yes, the the I wrote a little note. There's like, what's the bear written adrift entirely necessary? 
no. <laughs> yeah. As I wrote out these characters, I wrote basically what their D&D class would be next to each of them. And for her, I put Ranger. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm looking at it now. That's amazing. <laughs> That's true. They totally are a D&D party. They all like fit that little like niche. The last one I forgot. I'll they have little now. tropes. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. That's amazing. Oh, so I'll read these out as we go through it. But she's the she's the ranger. She's got a bow and arrow. It's got a big knife. Yeah. There's a bit where she starts praying right before the fight. Yeah, I didn't. They like didn't follow up on that. It it almost reminded me of like, you know, in Saving Private Ryan, the sniper guy who like is also very religious. Oh yeah yeah yeah. That's like I think a great counterpoint of like I think that that's what movies like this are trying to be, where you have this sort of ensemble cast and they're all pretty. Well, but like in Kaseva Private Ryan, I think it's just like a much better movie by by all metrics. The characters, like even with very little information, you know a lot about these characters. Like from the minute they're introduced, it's from what they're doing. Like when you see the medic and he comes up and he's getting really frustrated because he can't help the people that are dying. You see the sniper and he's kind of saying the little prayers to himself. Mm -hmm. uh, and you just kind of learn, you like you get biographies from those characters without the movie expressly telling you their biographies. Showing, not telling. <laughs> Whereas this movie has a scene where we're sitting around the campfire and we take turns going around saying our yep. party introductions. Telling us every, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. What or like they'll meet a character and they'll say like, Amphiaraeus, I hear that you're this, 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 and this. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, 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 it's for those, for, for budding creatives out there, it's, it's poor. Poor storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. So I have very little else to add about Adelina other than that she fails the Bechdel test pretty bad. Yeah. Or she is the reason this movie fails the Bechdel test. I, I think she could have been really cool. Adelina's a pretty awesome female yeah, she's, figure in myth. And uh, there aren't really depictions of her in no, we, media. We said this before, but she would be a character that I think in particularly in like just the, the sort of current arc of like movies and superheroes and that kind of thing. Atalanta is a character that would be totally 100% right for her own movie or Absolutely. TV show or something like that. Yes. Her, there's all sorts of different traditions about her and she's not as grounded in like a particular text as say a hero like Odysseus is. Yeah, for sure. But there's good, well, yeah, there's, there's good myths that she was either raised by like hunters or bears or something like that. She was part of the, Caledonia Borhan. She was, was she on the Argo? Ooh, I think she was. Yes, I want to say for at was. least a little bit. We're gonna lose our creds with, with our, our, like, oh, our colleagues when we like can't remember if she was on the Argo or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look it up really quick so I don't embarrass myself professionally and, and never get hired again. Yeah, she was. Oh, good. Okay, I was like, yes, pretty sure. But yeah, I think a, a movie that like, if we want to talk about like revisionist, not necessarily history, but revisionist mythology, this character just screams for, sure. for that. Like, Absolutely. you know, and that you could really do something novel and tr and unusual and new. And, and and in the same way that I think like, you don't even necessarily have to deviate. Like I'm thinking particularly like Wonder Woman, which in some ways like played into sort of the story beats were very similar to a lot of movies that had come out before, but it was also so novel and fresh. Yeah. And also it really, what it were really, surpassed was it just had like the characters and the chemistry worked so well right in that movie and i think yeah. adelana is like you could definitely do something like if you just like you cast it right you get the synergy going on with the characters you could tell a really sort of good novel story out of that character i agree for sure 
alas, this movie is not it. It is not that. Um, <laughs> she's just kind of, she's just there. She's good at shooting people. I almost wondered, this is another trope. I don't know if you recognize this as a trope, but like when you're assigning weapons to different kinds of characters, you know, like there's always like a, there's like a short or a big tough guy or like a rounder individual. And he's usually got like an ax or some kind of club or something like that. It's Lord of the Rings. It's like, there's the, yeah. the dwarf with an ax, the man with a sword and an elf with a bow. Right. Yeah. I, I almost wonder if there's like, is there like a gender element to the way weapons get assigned in movies and pop culture? Well, maybe that's possible. Yeah. I feel like easy to sort of, maybe explain female characters being really good at archery because it's like less uh, aggressive and actually like strength based, you know? Yeah. It's more, it's more skilled and strength. I, yeah. I don't know. Mm. We might, we might cut that bit out. I have no idea. If I'm just going on a rim. Anyways, <laughs> next bit. Autolycus, who I wrote down as Russ's Sewell, this Rufus I, Sewell. I love Rufus Sewell. I was actually, I was pleasantly surprised to remember that he was in this movie. And I also think that Autolycus is some, is a character that could also have a lot more media presence. He's kind of a fun, mm-hmm. like trickster kind of guy. Yeah, he's, he's Odysseus's grandfather, yeah. sort of, and, and he's a guy that, he gets a very brief biography in the Odyssey I can remember Autolycus's brief biography in the Odyssey, but I can't remember if Atalanta was on the Argo or not. That's the, <laughs> that's the kind of classicist that I am. But he, yeah, he's, he's, I think Hermes has a line where he says something he's known for his like tricks and something else or like tricks and wiles. His name actually means like the wolf himself, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's, doesn't he have at some point like the invisibility helmet? Yeah, um, sounds. That sounds right. <laughs> And Again, we're going to professionally know, embarrass God, ourselves. It's terrible. But I, a cool character that sort of pops up that I feel like could have really huge potential to be really fun and novel. No, he's the, I, look, I remember this now. It was he was the, the line that Hermes says is that he's known for his cunning and his oaths. But he was a thief. He was Hermes' son, actually, which explains why he's this sort of why he's so good. He, I put him down as the rogue in the party, which makes total sense. Mm hmm. Knife throw guy. He's the knife throwing knife guy. guy. He, Rufus Sewell, I generally like. I think, are you thinking mostly of Knight's Tale when you. Yes, but also I liked him in The Illusionist. I thought he was. Oh, that's right. He was He's a good evil, evil king or prince or whoever. But yeah, I mean, I, I love him in A Knight's Tale. He's, he's a great villain. He's a very charismatic, believable villain. It's funny you say that because one of when, for some reason, I had this memory in my mind that he was going to betray the group. For some I reason, I thought that too. <laughs> and I think maybe it's because he's a villain so often. He has that kind of like, what's the like? How, there's something that like, he has that sort of like shadowy, yeah, like his his dark hair, and he almost looks like he's always wearing some kind of like like eyeliner or something. Yeah, like he has like these very eyes. dark, yeah. exactly. He has those like dark eyes, and then so he. And I mean, I'm just so used to seeing him as the villain that I just expected him to betray everyone. And then I was actually surprised when it didn't. Yeah. And he comes back in, he sort of like saves the day. <laughs> in the least surprising reveal in the movie, because it's like, I don't know, going back to like like Han Solo, I don't know if I can pinpoint the, or- we can pinpoint the origin of this trope, but you know, the guy that leaves because yeah. he just wants money and then comes back in the end and helps. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not a new, not a new trope, but. The way they did it, again, like I think testimony to, I think the kind of the like laziness in some parts of this movie is that yeah. they're running out at the very end, they're running out, they're trying to escape. They're at the steps of the temple or whatever. And then all of a sudden, like the knives come out and he's just right there. And he's like, 
let's do it. But it's like, was that guy just waiting like there for them to come out? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, they, they walk outside and then turn around and it's like, it, it feels like time has passed, but time has not passed. He or... seemed to have been waiting in a very specific part of the set for them to walk exactly where he was hiding so he could have his reveal. So he could just be with them at the end. Like, it was just kind of like, uh, let's just get him back in here and then, like, redeem him slightly. out. And we're all like, no one was worried. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I get, like, all of these characters are from somewhere in mythology. Yeah, which is fun. Do you know if they're in the graphic novels? That what they this are, is? yes. That, oh, okay. That's where this comes from, is the graphic novel. That makes complete sense. Because, yeah. yeah, then again, if you're making putting together sort of dream team of heroes... And again, also, if the graphic novel is set in 12-whatever, yeah, it would make sense for Autolycus to be hanging out with Hercules because yep. he's about the right age yeah. in, if you're going to impose a sort of timeline on, on Greek mythology, which is a fool's errand. Don't do it. <laughs> but yeah, it's it sort of makes a little bit more sense because, yeah, he's uh, Odysseus's grandfather, but then another of the crew, the barbarian, I guess, Tydeus, mm-hmm. is Diomedes. Father, grandfather. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Diomedes, son of son of Tydeus or yeah. Tedius, however you want to say it. However you want to say it. They say Tydeus, I think. I always have said Tydeus, which I guess is maybe bad. I think it's right. Who cares? We're in, it's. <laughs> What's he gonna do? It's twenty twenty. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> say the name however I want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like in the comic, it makes sense that they have this sort of timeline and they're sort of functioning within these mythological characters that are usually minor but do pop up and they're sort of Mm -hmm. putting together that dream team and it's it does feel that sort of laziness of well let's just you know scrape off what we want from this story and use the Mm -hmm. plot and the names and not really worry about anything else yeah because in in Tidius's case in mythology he is his most he's most famous for eating a dude's brain is the simple way i could put it yeah. he's in he's in this which is i think one of the reasons that makes diomedes an interesting character in the iliad but i'll i'll take that up later <laughs> in my own sort of when and colin colin screams into the void but the tidius is he basically he's in this battle or this this other epic cycle called the seven against thebes and he is overcome with this like battle madness and he kills a guy and then he starts eating the guy's brain basically like right on the spot which the gods don't are like well slow down there really wants (laughs) nobody nobody likes that it was just takes it (laughs) takes it a little too far and so which i think manifests here in this character who I feel bad for this character and this actor. I know. I feel bad for a lot of the actors. I just, I feel like it didn't really work. Like, he's, uh... there's the scene where, where the kid comes upon him and he's like chained up in the chariot. Uh... And it's, it's like, it's like, that's like, that's not a very nice way to treat your friend. And then there is, he's like, we have to lock him up. Cause he has like horrible night terrors brought on by some, some traumatic event that he witnessed as, at one point, they say they rescue him as a child, but I'm like, he seems like he's the same age as everyone else. Yeah, yep. <laughs> that was a weird inconsistency, for sure. Yes. Yeah, but then he's like, you know, trusted with weapons and is sort of a normal functioning soldier in the rest of the time. Yeah, no, he seems like completely like normal. Like he can, he just is hanging out with everyone in, during the day. Yeah. It seems like the chaining him up by his neck was a bit seemed a bit cruel yeah that was that was a bit strange like i get the idea is that he he is some kind of like 
frenetic madness character but it's, it's like they're, they're, this is a case of i think of like a pick a lane like an either or because like most of the time he seems too normal to be this person and the rest of the t- like he he's the, the way like the, the 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 range of sort of wild and tame that he goes through feels inconsistent in a way that like doesn't make sense he seems like he has it under control but then they're telling us that he doesn't have it under control. Right. I would actually really like if they just came, they just straight up were like, yeah, this this guy, we have to keep this guy chained up because if we let him off the leash, he will eat people. I know, that would have been more interesting. <laughs> like he's like actual <laughs> freaking cannibal. Actual cannibal. <laughs> like Way more insane, the story. <laughs> an insane person. <laughs> that's yeah, cool. now I just sort of feel like, like this is a horrible way to treat the mentally unwell. Yeah, that's not, yeah, it's not okay. Uh, next on my list is Elias, also from Myth. He's Hercules's nephew, which they get in the movie. His main appearance, I think, in mythology is that he helps Hercules fight the Hydra. He has the idea to seal up the Hydra's heads with, with tar, fire, or something like that. Oh, that's cool. They make him the bard in this movie. His job is basically to drum up the Hercules legend. I feel like I have almost nothing to say about the character. Mm-hmm. It's like he's fine. I feel like they put a lot of the comic relief on him. Yeah, they do. Young guy, guy who tries too hard. Uh, eh. He's he's another interesting. Guess what other movies this guy's been in? Reese Ritchie is the actor's name. Mm, Prince right. of Persia. Oh, <laughs> similar. Yep. I don't remember who he is, but he and he's also in Ten Thousand BC. Weird. Who is yeah. he in Ten Thousand BC? I have no idea. Okay. I, I think I saw the character's name and it was like Bis or Mot or something like it was like a single syllable. And I was like, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> I've, Cause that movie gets really weird. Have you seen 10,000 BC? It's been a minute. I just, the only thing I remember is it's, it's everybody has dreadlocks. Everybody has dreadlocks, but they like end up in Egypt or something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're like using, weird. they're using mammoths to build the pyramids. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Or the proto-pyramids or something. Yeah, we should talk about that movie sometime. <laughs> With this, yeah, one of our segments that I've kind of got planned is with, like getting a little further. Because the other movies I was thinking about, I think Prince of Persia should get added to the list. I but agree. also uh, the Scorpion King and the Mummy movies, I think, are totally right. Because, like, I Definitely. love I do kind of, I think the Scorpion movie is almost like a better version of this movie. Uh, yes, that would make Because <laughs> it kind of cashed it, it cashed in. Maybe it's not. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Maybe I'll go back and watch the Scorpion King and be like, oh, no. <laughs> Let's not. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just reminded, actually, like, is, and by ways of just comparing this movie to, like, movies that this movie is, I think, not necessarily ripping, like, tropes in this movie that other movies do better like i mentioned saving private ryan as like mm-hmm. the, the the quick and good characterization where it's like quick characterization but they feel like fleshed out people yep i think for the tidiest character just to come back around another i was actually not to bring up wonder woman again but i think it's apt is the the ewan bremner character the oh, sniper yeah. guy yeah, yeah. who is like that is like a convincing like i understand mm-hmm. what this guy has been through and why he is the way he is and very little like i get it with Tidius, they're very like we found him in the ruins and he's been crazy ever since so we <laughs> chain him up to our chariot every night except on the nights when the rock is having a bad dream so Tidius can come out and kind of sympathize with him yeah <laughs> it's, i don't know this movie i think the, the the script needed somebody to come in and one i think do punch up yes. for just the humor mm-hmm. and just just the jokes Absolutely. all fall mostly flat for me with a couple of exceptions but yeah. the, most of the jokes i'm like Ugh. Mm-hmm. and also just like a script 
guy to really like brush it up and be like, mm. no, no, this, this needs more. This doesn't make sense. This is lazy, whatever. Amphiorais, who I think is the saving grace of this movie. <laughs> or maybe that's just me because I have yet to be unsatisfied with an Ian McShane performance. I love Ian McShane. Always, always. I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean wasn't great, but. No. <laughs> which, which one was he in? The fourth one? Mm, yeah. The last three, like, blur together in my brain. I don't remember. <laughs> Quick, on the fly, how many Pirates of the Caribbean movies are there? Five? I think there are five. I don't even know. I think there are five. <laughs> I think Somebody hit us back. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know. But there's really only, like, two and a half, because it's one, and then all the others sort of lump together. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But yeah, no, Ian McShane was great. He was wonderful. He's one of those actors, I think, that, like, can really can can make even a really dumb line sound compelling for sure and it's just got that there's like that x factor that i i think he had because i think a comparison like not to not to speak ill of rufus sewell but i think for me rufus sewell's jokes felt very like <laughs> like he almost like looks at the camera and he's like <laughs> like winks or something and like with ian mcshane his jokes like actually i was like <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how much of that was was in the script, or how much of that was just like because a lot of it's just like the way his like his machine's like expressions are. He's got yeah. this really like expressive thing, just just going like like like, <laughs> like I don't know, like it's like I die with a flaming spear to the heart. Is that not the most insane thing you've ever heard? Right. Well, I think it was also maybe just that character was really wonderful and sort of like this very self aware meta. Mm-hmm seer which is i mean a common trope in greek anything um Mm -hmm. you know the guy who can see the future and is sort of telling everybody their fate and then what they do with it sort of you know brings it on themselves yeah and he's sort of functioning in this weird gray space in between where he's like it's kind of weird i don't see everything it's wild (laughs) <laughs> He's openly commenting on like how vague and un- unconvincing and like unhelpful prophecies are. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's really wonderful. There's another moment of like I think almost meta textual humor is is when they're talking about like I think it's the Eolaus character is like what sounds better like her- the legend of Hercules or like Hercules and the whatever whatever. Yeah. And then I think the Rufus Sewell character is like they both sound boring, which I'm like, <laughs> was that the conversation that happened during when they were making right? this movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The other, the only, the only two other sort of bits to really essentially has a pretty well. It has sort of a big cast, but also a sort of small cast. But mm-hmm. is the two characters I also I feel bad for Rufus Sewell, I feel bad for Askel, uh, Axel Henny who plays Tidius. Mm-hmm. The ones I really uh, when I saw him, I'm like, oh man, they dragged Joseph Fiennes and, and John Hurt into this. Poor, poor guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think Joseph Fiennes can be so fun and so good. And he was so weird and... They put him in that blonde wig yeah. and he was like, yes, I'm evil. That was his... Mm, it didn't It didn't work for me. Again, like to come back around to the, the thing that we'll never get over, which is the fact, the decision to set this movie in 356 BC Jesus. when like we could... I mean, not me, but somebody could tell you like who was Archon in Athens, like what the Athens was like in the... was a democracy at this point. You know exactly going on yeah we and it's not king eurystheus nope. who even in myth wasn't even associated with athens he was king of tyrans hercules himself not particularly associated with athens but i think the movie just wants to be like all right athens that's a city you know boom yeah, exactly also there's a bit another nitpicky thing that the when they first go to thrace they say thrace eastern greece and i was like 
It's like, oh uh, yeah, like Thrace Hello. is Eastern Greece in the same way that like Ontario is like Northern uh, Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, I don't know. Because yeah, in the 1200s, whatever, it would not have been really considered Greek, I don't think, mm-hmm. in no. the way. I mean, Thracians themselves are... They're they're never really. I mean, if Macedon has like a sort of tendentious claim to, yeah. to Greek culture, Thrace is way out way there. Way out there. Yeah. When he was talking about, yeah, I'm gonna go to the Black Sea and retire. I was like, oh well, Thrace, you're you're most of the way there. <laughs> you're you're there. Yeah. Because today, Thrace is modern. Thrace is like modern. What like Western Turkey, mm-hmm. Bulgaria, maybe partially. It's that sort of yeah. It's like northeast of Greece. Yeah. It's kind of in the Balkans. But yeah, like Thracian. I don't know, actually. I don't know if you you might know more than me about what Thracian culture was or wasn't, other than that they were just a they were their own sort of ethnic group in the ancient world. Yeah, and I mean, so much of the like early like big built up uh, cityscapes or you know keeps that we have are not not in Thrace. If we're going for the two or the twelve hundreds, and it's like mm-hmm. uh, if we're going for the three fifties, it's like well. There was a lot of trade happening, but there was also a lot of like drama, I guess. Yeah. But it wasn't like there was a I don't know. There they were as I understood, they're kind of just a sort of loose collection of different sort of tribes and kingdoms and yeah. And smaller principalities and things like that. Mm. Yeah, and the yeah, and the premise that that Joseph Hurt and, and or John Hurt, excuse me, and Joseph Vines are gonna empire build by the the, the mighty alliance of Athens and Thrace, the two two kingdoms united. What? What? (laughs) No. And it's the sense that, like, it it made maybe in the graphic novel it makes more sense, but to the whole like, they give a very thin excuse for why Joseph finds betrays Hercules, which is basically like, I got jealous of you. Or yeah, like you didn't want anything, and therefore I couldn't like buy you off, or something like that. Yeah, it's it's a very strange. Because he was like, I was afraid that the people would like you more and like make you king. And Hercules is like, I never wanted that. And he's like, I know that's the problem. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. It was, just, yeah, it was like generic villain speech. He also, he, he's in the movie. Like he's in the movie at sort of the very beginning where we get the first flashback. Mm-hmm. And then he shows up at the very end for some reason. How did he get there? I don't know. He's just hanging out. Just like, like I'm going to go to Thrace. Thrace is pretty far from Athens. Thrace is far as hell. <laughs> and by ancient standards, it's not, yeah. uh, it's not easy to go anywhere. No. Yeah, they, they put him in that that wig. I'm just getting hung up on the wig. And then I know. John Hurt, too. John Hurt's also my my, 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 my gripe about John Hurt's character. Concatus, is that yeah. his name? Is that he, he oh, does, like, the, the reversal that you can kind of see coming. That it's like, after they sort of win against the barbarians or whatever, Rhesus... Yeah. You're like, all right. There's we still. I know that there's at least like 30 minutes of movie left. So like, there's like the, the twist is going to be that Cotus was evil. But like, right. that seems to come in complete. Like, it's almost like a complete character 180 where he like he he because in the in the beginning of the movie he's kind of like, oh, the people are suffering, and then later he's like, I was the one making them suffer because I'm evil. Yeah, it was it again like lazy storytelling. Yeah, he's just like yeah. There's a reveal that's like actually I'm evil. <laughs> it's like in the it's i don't know if you have you watched the good place oh like some of the first season but not have you gotten to the end of the first season because the thing i was about to bring up is okay never mind i won't spoil it then (laughs) i 
think I know the big spoiler though, so it's. Okay. I think you. I think you. You'll probably see it coming. <laughs> but there's a there's a character there's a character moment that is kind of like this. Okay. But in that context, it makes sense. Okay. So the only other bits, I don't really have a lot of things to add. Do you have, do you have anything to add against? We talked a little bit about like the costumes and the set. Anything you want to add about just like the look of this movie? I mean, I think it sort of follows the the Clash of the Titans where it it looks like a movie set and it looks a little bit like loud and cheap, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I mean, it's an ancient setting. You can't, you know, be super accurate, I guess. You can tell that they've recycled stuff from a lot of other places. Like none of the armor is trying to be in one time period or the other mm-hmm. from a thousand different places. <laughs> or culturally specific. <laughs> or culturally the, specific at all. The Thracians, actually, one thing I, one thing we do know about them was that they, they liked funny hats. Yeah. They they had these, like, <laughs> I don't know how you describe it. It's like, it kind of, they had this very, like, specific looking hat that kind of, like, I'm making gestures with my hands that nobody but Eli can see. It's <laughs> so great. <laughs> it, it's like a like a Santa Claus. It comes like sh- kind of up and then curves forward in the front, just like a like yeah. Thracian hat. They also had these these special looking shields. I don't know, the Thracians actually did have like a pretty distinct style in the ancient yeah. world. We we kind of know what if we're going with Thrace, like what we should look like, and that was mm. not this. Like they had yeah. round shields at one point. They had the long, the oblong, uh, rectangle shields at one point. There were a range of different helmets. There was like Corinthian stuff, the more um, like famous looking, like Spartan 300 y looking ones. Yeah. I think there was even like a boar's head, boar's tooth helmet at some point somewhere. Yeah. A lot like the, or I had like one question. It's probably going to be the last thing we talk about, but I, because yeah, like a lot of like with the, before they get their armor upgrade, a lot of what they're wearing looks a lot like the stuff that they're wearing in Troy. Yeah. Like those helmets had, I almost want to like go back and check because I feel like I've seen that helmet before. I, know. I feel like it probably was. I'm almost positive. Like it's the the helmet that like Odysseus wears or something looks yep. a lot like that. But I had just a general, like, all right, like, like I'll get one thing that I'm like, like Colin like obsesses over a deep and unnecessary detail per movie. <laughs> and mine is that armor that they bring in and they bring in, they're like, all right, we got like better equipment for you. It's lighter. It's stronger. You're going to be better. Now you can wear these fancy matching. Okay. Where did that armor come from? Cause he gives this whole speech about it being like empowered with like magical, you know, like Stymphalian birds and, and Hydra blood or whatever it was. And then they like shoot people through it. They're like, it's impenetrable. And they like mm-hmm. pretend to stab it. But then later when they're fighting, they like kill people through this armor. <laughs> yeah, it's clearly not impenetrable. No. <laughs> I mean, there's a general like, there's a general trope you could talk about in movies that armor in movies seems to really do nothing. Like people slash through armor like it ain't no thing. For sure. I Yeah, no idea. There's no good explanation. Yeah. What kind of workshop did they have doing that for? I th- he know? he oh. kind of makes it seem like, they, like the Thracians themselves made the armor, but like under whose... Where do they get the money and the resources for all this stuff? Like, God, who knows? I don't know. They just wanted a nicer bit of equipment. <laughs> <sighs> uh, yeah, uh, it just frustrates me. Yeah, we're thinking too hard. In the Cars universe, there's a Pope <laughs> car, but that implies that there's Pope, there's like car Catholicism. Does that imply that there was like a car Jesus who was crucified <laughs> by car Romans? What's going on? One of the cars talks about fighting in World War II. Was there a car, like, was there a car Hitler? <laughs> what was that about? Oh, Where did this man. armor come from? 
no. How way. is Tidius? How did they find Tidius as a child? Yet he looks <laughs> the same age as the rest of them, if not older. <laughs> no. Why does Atalanta not wear anything on her belly? Movie magic, Colin. Oh my god! Yeah. All right. You're you're right. I'm done because it looked it's because it looks cool. It looks cool. <laughs> She needed to have more armor, but I mean, I could probably. She needed more of everything. She needed more screen time and script and Uh, character. And I, I kind of feel like I could say the same thing about The Rock, who was mostly naked for the second half of the movie. Now that I'm no, no, that's what we that's what we paid the entrance fee for. We expect, yes, (laughs) yeah, that's what we expect. And also, he's Hercules. Like, I mean, Hercules himself. Not. No, nah, not 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 a dude super into clothes. Nope. I have one last fun fact. I'm so excited. They almost got Russell Crowe to be in this movie. Ah, oh, that would have been weird. I know. And again, I think combining with that and the Urginia resemblance to the Gladiator character, I think would have been that would have really showed their hand. That... Apparently, it was a like where there's a schedule conflict, but that yeah. is so weird. I would not have enjoyed yeah. that. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. We're about our usual time. We're at an hour and 14 minutes. Cool. Actually, we talked, I think, longer than I thought we would. I thought we were going <laughs> to. This always happens. We, like, talk, and I feel like I, I I go through all my talking points in the first, like, 20 minutes, and then we're like, oh, I feel like we're hitting the end, and then it's, like, 40 more minutes of us talking about something. Yep. I'll but maybe that, that's, that's therein lies the magic, I guess. <laughs> Yay. Or it's just me. I just talk too much. No, I mean, I'm here, too. I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> So after this, I'm actually really excited because we kind of had to, there's a little bit, I'm not going to lie. These last three movies were a little bit of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Letdown? Yeah. I had to slough through them or something. Like, uh, that's not the word. Mm, They were a trial. (laughs) Yeah. It was a little bit of an, it was a little bit of of labor to to get through these last three movies, but I'm real excited for the next one we're going to do. And I hope other people are too, because the next one we're going to do is the Disney Hercules. We're going to jump back in time 17 years to my personal favorite appearance of Hercules on the screen. I agree. And we'll talk Hercules. Yay. All right. <laughs> uh, in that case, thanks for, thanks for listening. Uh, we, as of this episode going up, we should have a Twitter. Oh my gosh. How exciting. Yeah, I know. So, so follow us on Twitter and also you can find our podcast now on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify. Also our website, moviesweedig.com. So make sure you have a listen, share with your friends. We're in the also process of reaching out to our colleagues and friends, talking for guest appearances. So hopefully you'll hear a voice other than ours soon. And that's all I have for now. Eli, do you have anything? Yeah, I'm done. It's good. All right. <laughs> Toodles. Bye, friends.